blade that you're combing, Ben. Oh, Ben Sinderklaas. This is the night before the dawn, before the day of Christmas. <laughs> Your Honor, every one of these letters is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office has delivered them. Oh, I almost forgot. Smile, Sammy! It's going so... Let's see, that says recording. Cool, all right. Then, uh, oh, and it says, it even gives me a message. Avoid legal snafus by telling other people they're being recorded. <laughs> okay, huh? you guys are being recorded. Well, what's funny is I have a message that popped up that said Matt is recording the call. So look at oh, that. Nice. Yeah. Um, I don't think I got that. Oh, there it is. It's right up there. Yeah, Matt is recording the call. Matt, how dare you? Why wouldn't you tell right. me that? I know. Well, I'm going to sue you so hard. I know. Well, I hid the other recorder in my purse. So, that, oh, wait, I wasn't supposed to tell you guys about that one. Um, <laughs> okay, well, this is, uh, I don't know if anybody else knows this, but this is Two Broke Geeks, although they downloaded the show, so I hope they do, because I'm just going to leave all that pre-roll in anyway. <laughs> and I am Matt, and Justin is not here today because this is the Christmas bonus episode where I invited in some of my other Christmas time pals from another show I really enjoy, and I'm going to bring them into the conversation so that we can talk about 2018's The Christmas Chronicles starring Kurt Russell. And like I said, I'm not doing that alone from the Real Fans for Real Movies Network. I'm not even going to list the shows they're on. There are too many. I've got... Uh, over in China, I have got Andy DeGenova. Ni hao, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Ah, yes. And down in Orlando, Florida, I have Mr. Michael Lyons. Hello. I can't, oh. uh, I can't think of two better gentlemen to talk about Christmas or a Christmas movie with than both of you so uh thanks Thank for inviting uh, both of us good to be here you're you're very welcome i'm glad you came and michael i'm glad I, I meant to mention this before we started recording but i'm glad i'm talking to you uh in quote unquote in person rather because normally we just interact via you know messages on facebook and stuff like that so that's right this is the first time yes yes all right, so we are going to talk about Netflix's The Christmas Chronicles. Like I said earlier, it came out in 2016 or 2018, excuse me, and I didn't realize this, but I for some reason I thought the first one, my memory had the first one being directed by Chris Columbus, but it was actually just produced by Chris Columbus. It was directed by Clay Katis, who I'm not sure what else Clay directed. So, um that was uh different in my memory and it stars uh kurt russell uh it has uh kimberly williams paisley who i only just this morning remembered was in father of the bride and father of the bride part two <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah that's right and then it also has a uh, cameo at the end by goldie hahn and then the two main children uh teddy 
and Kate are Judah Lewis and Darby Camp. So, um, I guess before we get started, uh, I'll crib from the Real Fans for Real Movies podcast that you guys do and ask you guys uh, if you kind of remember this coming out and what you thought, because I remember on the internet there being a lot of uh, uh, chatter when it was announced that Kurt Russell was going to play Santa Claus. Um, And I guess we'll have um, Michael go first. Yeah, so um, my, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about my memories of this movie, because since it was only two years ago, they're somewhat still pretty vivid. But mm-hmm. um, even though I can recall things back to the 70s, um, <laughs> I still have very fond memories of, of this movie. I, you know, I, I remember the announcement that this was going to be on and that uh, Kurt Russell was going to play Santa Claus, which I thought. How cool is that? And um, I thought it was uh, really inspired casting uh, to pick him uh, as Santa. And then when we saw the first images of him as Santa, I thought, oh, this is going to be somewhat of a different take on Santa Claus than we're used to seeing in the mm-hmm. past. And um, it's funny because I remember from a more kind of laziness perspective, being somewhat relieved to see that this was going to be on Netflix. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, as, as we, as Andy and I always talk about, we are always excited when a new Christmas movie is coming out because we don't care really about the story. We'll cut it a lot of slack just because it's a Christmas movie, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I was just excited for a new Christmas movie to be coming out, but you always know that the Christmas movie season is so crowded and jam-packed and you have to make all this additional time to get to the theater. And then seeing that it was going to be on Netflix, you know, Thanksgiving weekend of 2018, it was like a huge relief. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can watch this whenever I want at home. This is really nice. Little did we all know that would become our lives two years later. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no um, two years ago, it was it was a nice break from going to uh to the movie theater. And uh, then I remember watching it. Uh, I think I, I think we watched it the first night it was available, which was the night before Thanksgiving uh, two years ago. And um, yeah, well, I'll share my thoughts uh, about it in a little bit. But that's just some of my memories of when it first came out. Cool. Andy, you're up. Uh, I mean, very similar to Michael. Like, yeah, I, when I heard, oh, Kurt Russell's going to play Santa, I just was like, oh, that's awesome. I love mm. that. That's so fun. I got really excited because like Michael, like you, like many of our holiday loving friends, I just get excited about new Christmas movies in general. But when it's like someone we love, like Kurt Russell taking on Santa, we're like, oh, man, that's going to be great. Uh, Unlike Michael, though, I was disappointed it was going to Netflix. Uh, I was like, I was like, really? Like you get Kurt Russell to play Santa and it's Netflix like it's not theatrical. It's not like a quote unquote real movie. So I was like, oh, man, that's kind of a bummer. Of course, I was still excited about it and looking forward to it. And certainly, yes, there's a convenience of of watching it at home. But I just felt like Kurt Russell deserves better. He's Kurt Russell, man. He's a living legend. He should be in the on the big screen as Santa. So there was a little disappointment in that. Um, and you know, we can talk about that more when we get into the movie itself. And I also remember. Uh, as it was coming out, like being really excited for it, being like, you know what? I don't even care if it's any good. It's Kurt Russell Santa. I'm probably gonna love it. Uh, and then I even thought to myself before we saw the movie, because they didn't say anything, but Matt, you you kind of already mentioned it, is I was like, oh, how cool would it have been if they had gotten Goldie Hawn to be Mrs. Claus? Mm-hmm. 
And so I remember discussing that with uh, my good friend Scott Hopkins, who does a lot of these shows with us as well, because uh, we both were like, oh, man, wouldn't that have been perfect if they'd gotten her to be Mrs. Claus? And then I remember watching the movie uh, opening weekend, in air quotes. Yes. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it was very much took place in in our world. And then, you know, when we finally got that reveal at the end of Goldie Hawn as Mrs. Claus, I was like, oh, they did it. Perfect. I love it. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So uh, I do remember watching it twice that holiday season. Uh, and then I did not watch it last year uh, and then just revisited, revisited it again this evening before we recorded for this. Cool. Cool. And I'm going to apologize to you guys and the listeners. I record right near where my rabbits live. So you guys may hear thumps and weird noises <laughs> as they are playing around in their little home. <laughs> so, They're excited but, about Christmas, too. Yes, they are. Yeah, I, I um, thought those were just reindeer outside the door. There, there you go. Yeah, Getting excited. Go. Uh, yeah, I remember, like you guys, I was like, oh, Kurt Russell playing Santa Claus. That's really cool. Um, and then... I remember seeing the first image and I was like, oh, that uh, kind of like Michael. I was like, oh, that's different, like the leather coat and everything. But he looked really good. I remember being uh, a bit befuddled, and I still am, uh, about the choice to make his hair and beard gray rather than white. But I was down with a uh, slimmer Santa Claus. Uh, that was pretty uh, interesting to me. Um and then I saw the first trailer, and then I kind of went, oh, um, that's different. Because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an old-fashioned kind of Christmas guy. Like, I was down with the idea of a slimmer Santa Claus, but then we started seeing he was kind of going to maybe be like a, a, a sassy Santa Claus. <laughs> and that made, me, <laughs> that made me go, oh, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that. But then I do remember watching it the first time, and we'll get into it further, obviously, but I remember watching it the first time and going, Oh, that was better than I expected, and I've actually grown more fond of it the more times I've watched it. I think watching it for this podcast was like my third or fourth time watching it, and I've grown more fond of it each time I watch it. So that was my initial thought on it. Um, well, I guess we'll talk about the movie kind of in in chunks rather than kind of go through it scene by scene. Uh just kind of go through it in chunks and we can talk about how we feel or what our thoughts are kind of on each chunk. So the movie opens in Lowell, Massachusetts, which actually isn't far from my house, which I always thought was kind of neat. Not too much stuff takes place in my neck of the woods. And um, <laughs> they knew they had to win you over. They're like, we're going to make Santa a little <laughs> sassy. Matt's going to get concerned. We should at least put it in Massachusetts. Right. <laughs> yeah, they were thinking um, about you. So the movie uh, starts off with a bunch of scenes of, of home movies of a family, uh, you know, enjoying Christmases over the years. And um, we see, you know, older brother Teddy, he gets his his knife that says a Pierce always sees it through. This is the Pierce family. And he gets his knife that says, you know, a Pierce always sees it through, which is going to be playing into the rest of the movie. And then we eventually get to the point where we find out that the father, the Mr. Pierce, 
has died because he was a firefighter and he went into a burning building. You know, he did the did his job and he he lost his life saving some other people's lives. And we uh, are introduced to Kate Pierce, the kind of main character of the movie, who is watching all these home movies on her dad's old uh, video camera. And so she decides that she's going to take this video camera and she's going to record a message to send to Santa Claus telling him what she wants for Christmas. And, you know, her older brother Teddy comes in and he is about to kind of crush her dreams. He's about to tell her there is no Santa Claus. And then he kind of uh, backs off it a little bit. And he's like, nah, you know, he's he'll, he'll never watch your video. He prefers handmade letters. So, um that's kind of the first little chunk of the movie. And, uh, well, uh, what did you think of the opening scenes here, Andy? Uh, I mean, I, I kind of was like, okay, I see I see where this is going. You know, we've got the, the sweet little family. I like that they got two very good actors to be the parents. Uh, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, Kimberly Williams Paisley, is that, is mm-hmm. that her full name? Yes. Um, I've always loved her because of Father of the Bride. I just always have found her incredibly adorable and charming. So I was like, oh, I'm always happy to see her. Um, mm-hmm. And then Oliver Hudson, who's a very good actor in his own right. Um, and he is the the son of Goldie Hawn, but not Kurt Russell. Is that correct? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think I think she had him before they got together. Um, yes. So I was like, oh, that's a fun little family connection, too. Um but yeah, watching those home movies, I'm like, what a great family. I bet everything's going to work out fine for them. So I turned it off and I just believed that. And that was where I left it. So yeah. it's a short movie. I didn't get to enjoy much of Kurt Russell, but I just, in my brain, Doug is still alive and well and taking care of his kids. So it's great. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, again, like, I'm like, okay, I get it. We're, you know, we're going to, Santa's going to help this family through their, through their little stuff. I will say when, when she's looking at the uh, video camera, it even dawned on me where I'm like, well, wouldn't you just use your phone at this point? Um, and I appreciated that they wrote it in. That was like, the, the brother even says that those, that thing is so old. Nobody uses those anymore. And she mm-hmm. was like, well, it was good enough for dad. It's good enough for me. I'm like, okay, at least they acknowledge it. Like, that's all I need is them to make that acknowledgement. Um, so I appreciated that as well. Um, I will say, like you said at the beginning, Matt, in my brain, this was also directed by Chris Columbus. I thought that was the yeah. case. Yep. And I don't know why I thought that, but he did produce it. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Columbus, you know, loves to to celebrate Christmas as well. So, I, w- I mean, we'll talk about it with this movie, and then we're going to talk about it with the sequel, because uh, he did direct the sequel. But mm-hmm. when I watched this, I was like, really? Chris Columbus directed this? And, and now that I feel a little better knowing he didn't, because it's directed fine, but Chris Columbus is like a pro and I would kind of expect better of him. So now yeah. knowing he like handed it off to sort of a, a young up and comer or something, I was like, okay, well it, it all starts making a little more sense at that point. Mm. Michael. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, I agree that um, I, I had thought Chris Columbus had directed this too, because I think it just, and Andy, maybe it's the whole, um, fact that he is so connected with Christmas because of the Home Alone movies and, uh, you know, the Harry Potter movies came out around Christmas time. 
uh, that it, it kind of had and that And he wrote theme. Gremlins, too. And he, oh, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. God, how, how, how could I forget that? Um, yeah. You know, it feels like it has his his fingerprint on it. But to your point, it doesn't wholly feel like a Chris Columbus film in, in terms of the way that it's it's made. But, um, yeah, I agree with a lot of what Andy said, that you could kind of feel the, the setup that was mm-hmm. here. And I remember the first time watching this, I was getting kind of a, a vibe of, of another movie that uh, Andy and Scott and I uh, all talk about each Christmas. And we talked about on the Real Fans uh, podcast. And that's One Magic Christmas, which, uh, mm. Matt, I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> I, that that's one I've never seen, actually. No. Oh, oh Matt. Yeah. Oh, Matt. I, yeah. I want to fly to New England and watch it with you. Like, yeah. the only thing more fun than introducing people to One Magic Christmas is watching it with them to watch their faces. I feel because it's like amazing. It's on something. It's I on Disney like Plus, I think. That's yeah, I, Yes, I yep. think that's where yeah. I saw it. Disney Plus, yeah. And, you know, to, to Andy's point, you do, when you introduce it to someone, you immediately want to know, what did you think of that? Because... One Magic Christmas is a Christmas movie unlike anything you've ever seen. And it has <laughs> some that's like as, mm-hmm, that I feel and, like I know what I'm doing later today. <laughs> See that? Oh my god. I yeah, oh, please you've gotta do. let it I, you've okay. gotta let us know. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. It's it's got it's it's very tragic. I will just say that. It's 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 got some some of the most tragic one, scenes it's ever. It's one tragic Christmas. It totally is one tragic <laughs> Christmas. Oh no. Um and that's why, you know, with with the father having passed away, um, going from these very upbeat home video movies to where the family is now, mm-hmm. I was starting to get that vibe at the beginning of the movie. So I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, no, where is this going? And and, you know, having known Matt, as you said, that this was, uh, you know, a much different view on Santa. Mm-hmm. I was like, how far off off course of the traditional Christmas movie are they going to take it? So I appreciated the setup, but um, because of being scarred by One Magic Christmas, I was a little concerned. Okay, well, <laughs> I've never seen One Magic Christmas, but I I, I remember initially getting um, sort of Hallmark Christmas vibes out of it, where uh, you know something is gone horribly awry and they have to rediscover the the magic of christmas kind of that i've not i haven't watched a lot of hallmark or uh what is the other one hallmark and lifetime christmas movies yeah. but i mm-hmm. the, the kind of vibe i always get is here's this person that has had something they're just so fed up with their city life or their divorce or their whatever and they have to go home and rediscover the magic of christmas um so, uh, like you guys, like you said, I was like, okay, here's the setup, but where are they going to take this? And it, it kind of just continues to get uh, more into that vibe as we, you know, then they, they go downstairs. It's it's Christmas Eve, and their, their house isn't even decorated for Christmas, and the mom is a nurse, and she gets a call. She's like, I got to go to work. And... Um, well, I, no, per, excuse me. Before that, Kate follows her brother, Teddy, out of the house. He's like, I'm going to go skateboard with my friends. And she's like, you got to take me with you. And he's like, no, I don't. And she follows him anyway with the video camera and catches uh, Teddy and his friends stealing a car. And then they go home and they get in a big fight. And 
knock their undecorated Christmas tree over and um that's you know that's the point where the mother's like no I have to I have to go to work now like Teddy you've got to stay home and watch your sister and um get this house decorated for Christmas and she leaves and Kate is like okay well we're here like Teddy how about um we do some some Christmas stuff together. And he's like, no, nah, I think I'm just going to go hang out in my room. And so Kate, all sad, starts watching old home movies of her mom and dad again. And she notices in one of the videos that as soon as her parents exit frame, for some reason, they just leave the um, camera running. I assume they were off to have parent time in in their room alone and forgot the camera was there and uh santa claus's arm pops in and out of the frame he leaves a present and disappears and this gets kate all excited and she and teddy come up with a plan to stay up all night and catch santa claus coming back into their house this christmas so um michael we'll go with you next yeah, this uh, I thought this was a really cool way to incorporate the home movies beyond just the the setup of um, of what's happened with this family uh, before we join them in the movie. And it was a, a pretty cool way to, you know, utilize the the home video for the young girl's interest in um, in seeing Santa and, you know, mm-hmm. in being in being a believer um, mm-hmm. and eventually getting to, you know, the next scene where they kind of try to, uh, you know, set up their their ruse and stay up all night to to catch to catch Santa. So it was a good way to kind of build a little bit of the the magic and the wonder that was mm-hmm. coming. So um, I thought it was pretty cool. Yes. Andy. I like I, yeah, I like the, using the video as a device to kind of go, oh, wait, he is real. So just sort of really kick off the plot. I thought that was cool. Um, when she talks him into staking out Santa and waiting up all night and trying to get the evidence, um, I had a little bit of an issue with that. Not because, like, I mean, of course that has to happen for the movie to happen, but, like, the fact that they're, like, she's like, oh, we'll set up the video camera and then we'll catch him on video. And he's like, I'm sure people have tried this before. And she's like, well, maybe not. And like, that's all they say about it. Cause I'm like, if it was really that easy, anyone would have done it. Right. So they never give a justification for why these two kids were able to just stay up and get Santa on video when no one has ever been able to do that in the past, you know, however many hundreds of years. So I was like, okay, I guess they want us to just not think about it, but whatever. But I will say their stakeout I mean, prepping for the stakeout, I got a little bit of Home Alone vibes, which was probably mm-hmm. intentional. Like I said, yeah. a little bit of Chris yeah. Columbus fingerprints, which was fun, you know, putting the powder mm-hmm. in front of the, the fireplace and setting up the little jingle bell alarm system. Um, but mostly I was just really excited about the huge store of junk food that they got and just picked <laughs> yeah. out on while they were waiting. Yeah. I was like, that just looks so fun. I'm yeah. in for that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think I think this Christmas I'm just going to say I'm staking out Santa as an excuse to just eat myself <laughs> into a coma. Yeah. Um, uh, we can discuss it later, Andy, but I think they eventually do not explicitly. I think it's more implied, but I do think this film 
justifies eventually why Santa would let them specifically capture him on camera. Um, but, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, major Home Alone vibes. And I particularly like the scene where we start to realize that, yeah, Teddy is going down a wrong path and he's turning into kind of a, a jerk of a big brother. But in the in the junk food scene, when he comes in the closet there with the the tubs of ice cream and the cookies and the soda and everything, and she's like, mom said no junk food. And he's like, hey, come on, we got to find some way to stay up all night. Plus, sometimes you just got to break the rules a little bit. You know, he's having this like big brother moment with his his little sister, which I found kind of sweet. So, yeah. Um, yep. So they, they're there with their junk food and eventually they do fall asleep because it's pretty hard to fight off sleep when you're, you know, trying to stay up all night. And they Santa Claus comes in. This is, <clears throat> excuse me, this is where Santa Claus enters the the picture. Katie wakes up, the, the jingle bells ring, and she sees him, and they chase him outside. And I'm going to tip my hand just a little bit. I think this scene is so much fun. When they, they, they she's like, Teddy, wake up. And they, they run out of the house with the video camera, and they look, and there is the sleigh hovering over their street and they see Santa Claus zipping in and out of chimneys and Kate is like, well, I can't pass this opportunity up. So she climbs a telephone pole and hops into the back of Santa's sleigh. And Teddy of course is like, well, can't leave her alone in the back of Santa's sleigh. And he climbs up with her and Santa uh, before they get a chance to get back out, Santa comes back and just flies off, which is a Santa Claus in movies staple where Santa Claus hops in the sleigh and then just zips off down apparently to a completely next town or whatever. So I noticed in this movie, he he jumps past any town that's not a large city. He just yes. he, he goes he goes from big city to big city and like you see him do it later in the movie like he goes mm-hmm. from whatever Chicago to London to Paris to San Francisco to you know but yeah, like I, man if you live in a small town you're boned you get nothing yeah <laughs> yeah I noticed that too and we'll talk about Santa's traveling around the world because I think it's pretty cool but you're right if you live in a small town although yeah yeah so uh, sucks yeah. to be you yeah should have well, lived in a city. Yeah. Maybe he's just like telling people in the city, like, if you get out to the suburbs, could you drop these off for me? You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> most likely, most likely. Um, Andy, talk about uh, um, discovering Santa. Yeah, I mean, I mean, away we go. It's what we're waiting for. I mean, like, I understand having to use this family as sort of our entry point in our eyes and ears as the viewers. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, like, I mean, you kind of see where it's going from from the jump. Um but I'm like, all right, you know, now Santa's in the picture, and I like that this Santa, I mean, I mean, Santa, I guess, always has superpowers, but in this one, Santa truly has superpowers. Yes. He is, like, part the Flash, part Nightcrawler, part, like, <laughs> part, like, Doctor Strange, almost, where he can bit, just do yeah. just magic as needed. Like, yeah, like, he's, this is a, a high-powered Santa, so aside from just mm. being as cool as Ice being Kurt Russell, he also... He's got some pretty neat powers here. So, yeah, I like that he shows up 
And uh, yeah, the kids stow away. But I get what you were saying is like, I, I think they kind of imply that like Santa wanted them to follow him. I think, is that what you're getting at? Like it's yeah. sort of intentional. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but like I, when you watch the whole movie thinking that it still doesn't quite work out, <laughs> like sure. especially sure. the scene where they stow away and, and, and he's su- they surprise him. And he, they're there. Yeah. yeah and, and he crashes and it's like, oh yeah, he really planned to crash, like just to make all this <laughs> stuff happen. Like, it doesn't quite all work out. You just kind of have to go, okay, sure, sure, sure. But mm-hmm. yeah. True. Michael. Yeah. I think the fun, um, particularly for, uh, people like the three of us who have seen so many Christmas movies and so many, um, interpretations of Santa Claus in movies is what is going to be this movie's take on on santa you know um and and we can talk you know you can think you think about all the different interpretations of santa claus in movies um and like andy said this is a really cool uh i think original spin on santa claus and i i think you know the casting of kurt russell as we said was really inspired and i think what they did from there, and I don't know if it was in the script or if they kind of reverse engineered it, is part of this Santa Claus's persona is Kurt Russell's on-screen persona. When we think of mm-hmm. Kurt Russell, we think of that movie action star. We think of the superhero or someone, you know, as Andy said, like he's he's got superpowers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and if Kurt Russell hasn't played a superhero, he's played close to that in many a movie. Well, he did in Sky High, Disney Sky High, he played a superhero. Yeah, and, so, and, he, mm-hmm. and he's also kind of a real life superhero, right? Because he's Kurt exactly. Russell, exactly. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I think that that's a really cool take on on Santa. As you know, yes, he has these magical powers, but he can use them as. Uh, as a superhero does. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he's got, you know, the, you know, he's got a lot of the abilities that we think of, you know, in the, that we've seen in Kurt Russell in in the big action movies um, Mm -hmm. that he's, that he's been in. And I also think it's a pretty, uh, pretty cool take on like the, the wormhole that he goes through. And it's almost like, you know, um, you know, going into, you know, hyperspace or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's pretty cool. So I think I think they did a lot to definitely put their own stamp on Santa and show you that in the onset and really use that as a way to immediately pull you in. Well, and when I mentioned the superpowers, like I'm being funny, but like what I liked is they gave him powers that still did not feel out of place for Santa. So yeah, they like right, mm-hmm. right, they yeah. they looked at Santa and and everything that we know Santa does or can do, you know, g- giving away millions of presents in one night, which means mm-hmm. he has to be able to move fast, which means he has to be able to get from place to place, you know, be able to get not just from place to place, like from house to house, but also from city to city. And so all of his powers are just sort of naturally derived from the things we expect Santa to be able to do mm-hmm. anyway. So none of it feels forced. It all actually works. Yeah. Yeah. To- totally. Yeah. I'll agree. Uh, just cause I've spent, uh, in maybe an unreasonable amount of time contemplating what Santa's superpowers quote unquote would, would be with what? the idea. You? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know well, what you mean <laughs> you know yeah um 
And it, you're right, Andy. It, it it makes sense. Like the first time I saw him doing the, you know, the where he's just going from chimney to chimney is kind of this red, uh, the flash like blur. I was like, oh, yeah, that's no one's ever done that before. Like when you see Santa Claus in movies, he's always kind of like taking his time. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, it's, and it was, it's a, it was, it was a very clever new spin on how he does that. That like, mm-hmm. like you said, we haven't seen before. But also, you go, oh, but that would make sense. Yeah. In fact, previously, the first time I ever remember, and then I've seen it a couple times since then. But the first time I remember ever seeing uh, super speed depicted on film and going, oh, you know what? That's kind of how Santa's world would exist. Was um, the scene from the X-Men movie with Quicksilver when he's running mm-hmm. around that kitchen and everyone else is basically standing still because he's moving so fast that to him it looks like the rest of the world is is just standing there motionless. And I, mm. I remember thinking to myself, oh, that's kind of how Santa would move around the world, like just moving so fast that everything else seems to be standing still. And so I kind of got that in this movie. And then uh, to Michael's point, the next scene is once they're in the sleigh, they take off and excuse me, Santa opens. Yeah. He opens a wormhole. He's kind of a a sci-fi Santa where he kind of enters this space where he's just zipping between cities. And, you know, Andy, you kind of jokingly said he only hits big cities. And I think that's obviously just so they could show people some some notable locations and kind of give them an idea of how the traveling across the country is going. But um, no, no. If they had shown the church from Lockport, Illinois, everyone would know it. Everyone would go, oh, yeah, this is the church from Lockport. That's like right. the icons of the small towns, like people would know, right? But it is sort of you know, weird. like is... a roller coaster track from Sandusky, Ohio, and everyone would go, "Oh, Sandusky, of course." But it <laughs> is, you're right, and it makes me laugh. It is sort of weird that he sort of zips from Lowell, Massachusetts, all the way to Chicago. And I, I, <laughs> I just watched this the other day, and I can't remember if that's because they scare him when they're in the wormhole or after he's already gone through the wormhole. Cause yeah, well, it's unclear if he was already headed to Chicago. I'm not sure. Yeah. If that's and, just where they ended up because they scared him. Cause there's a whole lot of space between Lowell, Massachusetts and Chicago. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, well, they, scare I gotta him. say, yeah, I, I grew up in Chicago, uh, and I love Chicago and I always equate Chicago with Christmas. Like I feel like I feel like New York City and Chicago have been battling for claiming Christmas forever. Um, right. But I always side I always side with Chicago because sure. I'm a hometown boy. Um, because if you think about Christmas movies, it tends to be one or the other. It tends to be New York City or Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I, I assume Chris Columbus is from Chicago because of Home Alone, Adventures in Babysitting. Like I assume yeah, he's he from Chicago. Be. Like and he was. He was a John Hughes guy, and John Hughes is a big Chicago guy. Um, so when they landed in Chicago in this movie, I was like, "Yay, Chicago! Another point for us! Woo!" I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go. Sorry, ahead Michael. You, that's okay. I'm gonna let you go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and let you know that um, he was born in Spangler, Pennsylvania, according wow. to his Wikipedia page. So maybe he just really loves. Where's the Tisch School for the Art? Uh, Andy. I, he went to he went to film school in 
in New, New York, York City. Oh. Yeah, so huh. he well, just maybe just maybe he visited knows? Chicago and just fell in love with it. It is a nice city. Maybe. I've been there, so yeah. I, it's it's so funny though. I do agree with Andy that um, uh, and being from New York, of course, of course, I love the New York Christmas movies. But it is so funny how like either one of those like either one of those cities seems to be a uh, you know like a setting for a Christmas movie because even just running through them in my mind, I'm like. Well, you got Miracle on 34th Street, and then you have Home Alone in Chicago, but then you have Home Alone 2 is in New York. And then, you know, no. you think about, you know. You split uh, the difference with the two Home Alones. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So. But Christmas funny. Vacation in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Planes, uh, trains, and automobiles um, ends in Chicago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like, lots of them. Sorry. Wow, I never noticed it till you guys pointed it out to me. Yeah. Uh, the, the Santa Claus is Chicago. Is it That's right, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Santa Claus the movie, New York. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. So I think we need both cities in one Christmas movie at some point. Yeah. I think that's what we yeah. need. I think well, I think Michael, you and I need to arm wrestle to settle this once and for all. <laughs> I mean Hold And then on. they'll say, Andy won, it's official. Chicago is the Christmas city. And Chicago say, no, owns I'm, Christmas. I had a cramp. No. <laughs> the Christmas off between Chicago, Chicago versus yes. New York. The Christmas, the Christmas off. off. Yes, that's right. Uh, so yes, they, they're they're swooping through the wormhole and they, they scare Santa and Santa loses control of the sleigh and the reindeer break off and go one direction. His toy bag flies out and goes another direction. His hat flies off and goes another direction and they kind of crash not kind of they definitely crash santa tries to make them not crash because one feature i liked is that his sleigh has those emergency wings where he pops them out and he can glide the sleigh kind of like an airplane (laughs) um i thought that was pretty yeah yeah that was cool and uh they they crash land and santa um he kind of goes, well, I got to go. You two are on the naughty list for life. I got to go find my bag because my bag can get me in touch with the elves. And I got to fly. And he goes to turn into dust and falls face first into the snow <laughs> and is like, oh, no, my hat. My hat is how I turn into dust and fly around. And, well, guess I got to do it on foot. And Teddy and Kate are like, well, we might as well help him. We're thousand miles from home. We're not going to be able to get home. So we're going to go follow Santa and help him out. And this is our our whole introduction to Santa Claus where, like, Kate is <laughs> – Kate says, you know, she's surprised that he looks like that. And he's like, why? Because I'm not a big fat slob? And <laughs> She says, can you go ho, ho, ho? And he says, I don't do ho, ho, ho. That's a myth and, and all that stuff. So, Michael, first impressions of, of uh, Kurt Russell as Santa Claus in this introductory scene. Yeah, so I think, you know, we were saying that the whole kind of um, on-screen persona that we associate with Kurt Russell has been incorporated into Santa Claus. And I think the off-screen uh, personality of Kurt Russell or how we all see Kurt Russell is also incorporated into this this character as a you know here's a Santa Claus who's just crashed his sleigh and he's very cool about it and you know um, you know very calm 
you know, he immediately knows like what to do to try and solve this. Um, mm. Very charismatic, um, very like sly and winking, but still, still, you know, still a very warm character. Like you're, you like this character immediately when you see him. Um, mm. You like this version of Santa Claus. He's not overly saccharine. Um, but he's, you know, he, he's a nice character, almost very like street smart, like, all right, we just crashed. I, I, I know what I got to do. And, and, um, you know, I think, I, I think, again, that incorporates a lot of, you know, how we see Kurt Russell as this very kind of laid back, cool, one of the most charismatic actors on the screen. Um, and to put that into this view of Santa Claus is, uh, is really cool. And I love the idea of like, you know, Santa kind of being disturbed by how the world sees him, you know, as this like, you know, more, uh, you know, like what is he? Yeah, as a big fat guy. Like, I, I mm-hmm. love that idea of like, you know, Santa being so concerned about that's not how I look. You know, I look better <laughs> than that. I, 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 I think that's really cool. So, yeah, I think they they do a good job both in how we see him and then in his personality in this scene of of setting up uh, the Kurt Russell version of Santa Claus. Yeah. Andy. Uh, no, I, I agree with all of that. Um, stepping back the, the during the whole sequence, like in the wormhole and, and everything, um, I really like the design of the sleigh. I think it's something it's new, but still feels mm-hmm. like it could be Santa's sleigh. Yeah. I feel like the effects in the sequence are surprisingly good, including the reindeer. I think that the CG reindeer are really well done in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it was this part of the movie where I was like, oh, man, like should have been theatrical. Like like this is all looks really good um, and it looks almost you know, feature quality. So I was, I was kind of like, oh, man, like they did put some money into this thing. So I will say throughout the movie, the effects are all pretty good. Um, but then there's some things that we're going to get to in a few minutes where I was like, oh, OK, well, you know, now I see where they save some money. Uh-huh. Uh, but in this sequence, I was like, oh, this is actually really good. The effects are pretty strong. And then, yeah, we meet Kurt Russell Santa and he's awesome. Like, he's so darn cool. And I think they found the right balance because I understood where you're coming from, Matt, where you're like, oh, God, are they going to try to make him too sassy? Are they going to try to make him too cool where he doesn't feel like Santa anymore? And it feels almost like a spoof of Santa or something. Um, But I feel like they found the right balance of like leaning into Kurt Russell's persona and letting him have fun with it. But I still feel like he is Santa. Um, I think he looks great. I love his hair and beard. Like, it didn't even dawn on me that they're a little grayer than white. That didn't even t- cross my mind. Mm-hmm. But, man, like, th- his hair is styling. He looks great. Yeah. This yeah. is a, this is a yeah. good-looking Santa. Oh, my gosh. He is definitely the dreamiest Santa I think we've seen in movies. <laughs> and sure. you know what? And, not, not to interrupt, but you know what's cool about his hair, too? Like, it it doesn't look like a wig or fake or anything. Like, it looks like, yeah. like, it looks like Kurt Russell grew all that for the I movie. I feel know? like he did actually now that i i believe or he had some extent that it might be that he had some extensions like i believe i read somewhere that most of that beard and most of his hair are naturally grown for the Hmm. part which also might be why they're gray because kurt russell has grayer hair and so they but I believe I read that his beard and his hair are mostly natural grown. And then they added like some extensions or whatnot, some filler hmm. maybe to make oh, it look more, yeah. more bushy. 
Well, um, to Andy's well, point, it was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. However they did it, it works because it, it looks great and it looks real. But yeah, like, I don't know, like it's so it sounds so weird, but like his hair and beard are styled in a way that it's just cool. Like he's the yeah. coolest looking Santa and not yeah. too much like yeah. still and Santa. His coat, to, to your point of him being cool, like his coat is leather. But it still mm. looks, you know, you're not used to seeing Santa wearing a leather jacket, like, but yeah. it still looks like he's wearing Santa's clothes, you know, even though he's mm-hmm. wearing a leather jacket. So, and I um, like the idea of them being like this, you know, this is Santa, but sure, over the years, the stories get exaggerated or people get certain things wrong, but it's still him. So you go, OK, this is still Santa. He's not as big as he's been made out. And I love that that bugs him. That's I think that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And. Same thing with the ho, ho, ho. He's like, ah, that's something people made up. What are you going to, you know, like, I don't do that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think all of that's really fun. And he's just so much fun to watch. I I think it's true in this scene. And it's honestly, it's true for the whole the whole movie. I wish they gave him better lines. His his dialogue is pretty, like, standard. It's There's nothing special or, or punchy or really funny about the lines themselves. But he is selling every single one of them no matter what. And so like his charisma and his performance really makes it work regardless of what was on the page. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with you, Andy, about kind of the, the design of things where it's like, yeah, the sleigh is different. It looks almost, uh, I think of it, it looks almost like a speedboat flying through the sky, but you also still buy it as Santa's sleigh. And I like that He's kind of a quasi sci-fi Santa, like his sleigh has all these gadgets. He has a a button to open a wormhole. He's got this this globe on his dashboard. He can move around to position himself in the world and all that stuff. But then he also, to our earlier point, still has his magic powers. He still can turn into coal dust, which he says is because his hat is magic and he... He's still got some some sense, and I I always took it as he's cool in this scene right after he crashes because he's, you know, I, I assume in 1,700 years of life, this isn't his first mishap. And so <laughs> when he, he crashes and he does the whole thing where he's like, okay, there's the North Star, and there's this constellation and that constellation. Ah, we're in Chicago. You know, he he's kind mm-hmm. of prepared himself after having such a long life for perhaps having a mishap. And so he's ready to just go like, okay, this happened and it's not the first time and I know how to fix it. And here we go. And so, um, yeah. And I, I do think it's kind of funny that he is like, look, I'm not that fat. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not. and I actually know a lot of guys personally who appreciate that, uh, Kurt Russell has played a skinny Santa because it now gives them an excuse to be like, well, I, I can be a skinny Santa too. Like, it's okay that, uh, you know, if kids say to me, you look a lot thinner, it's like, well, did you see the Christmas Chronicles? Maybe Santa's not really that fat. <laughs> oh, there so, you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, at Santa school, I met a guy who looked so much like the Kurt Russell Santa Claus. His hair was done almost the exact oh, same way. He, oh. he was. How could you re- concentrate around him? <laughs> he, it, 
I tell you what, I walked into the room the first day and I saw him sitting there and I was like, oh my God, that guy might be Kurt Russell. <laughs> wow. I'd be like, you're so cool. I can't look you in the eye. <laughs> he was super cool. So um, Kate and Santa, they, they head across the street to try and find um, a way to go find Santa's bag and everything. And... Um, they walk into a bar called Nick's Place, which Santa takes as a sign that he's going to be able to find some help there. And uh, they go in and they they meet this um, woman named Wendy, who's the hostess. And Santa immediately launches into, oh, you know, I uh, boy, I, you got so you, you grew up. You Look at you, Wendy. And oh, I'm so sorry your your fashion career didn't work out. I remember bringing you sewing kits and all that stuff. I'm can you can you can you help us out like we need a cab and she's like well could you call an uber and santa's like ah don't have a cell don't have an account and just call a cab could i could i pay them with these and he pulls out a fistful of candy canes (laughs) and she's like no i don't think that's gonna work and he's like that's okay i'm sure somebody here will give us a rot you know this is getting into the um kind of sweet jolly kind of optimistic santa where he just walks in and is like okay everybody christmas is in trouble i really need a ride and he walks up to one guy and he's like is that your porsche outside like would you like to trade it for this mickey mantle rookie card (laughs) and starts um and basically convinces everybody in the bar that he's crazy and that he may have kidnapped these children (laughs) and um then on the way out, he goes, he says, uh, the bartender is like, hey, you guys need to get out. And Santa turns to Teddy and he's like, ah, this guy here, he just, he was always on the naughty list, naughty list hall of famer. Like, in fact, he just got out of the joint for, for, you know, committing more crimes. And I don't think your parole officer would appreciate that you stole that Dodge Charger out there. <laughs> um, so um, they leave. I want to know what, what did Dodge pay? For this movie, oh yeah, because oh. they they name drop him. Is it is it a Dodge Charger? Is that the yes. name of the car? Or but they name drop it mul- Challenger. Challenger. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, they name drop it multiple times, and then uh, you know, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. They that's okay. at a certain point, Santa's driving it, and he's like, "Man, it's not my sleigh, but this Dodge Challenger sure sure <laughs> you know handles like a beauty." And I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> it's some, it's some serious product placement." Because yes. Um, <laughs> Teddy goes out to the valet, lifts the challenger's keys, and Santa has a moment where he's like, I I can't steal a car. (laughs) And Teddy's like, it's already stolen. Like, we're going to borrow it, and then we're going to take it to the police after we find your reindeer. And uh, a car chase ensues. So, I love the bar. I love yeah, the bar because, yeah. hey, spoilers, they didn't shoot this in Chicago. But mm-hmm. in order to pretend it was Chicago, I love that they just put up banners of every Chicago sports team on the wall of the bar. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're definitely in Chicago because see Bulls, Chicago Bulls, see Chicago Bears. We're in Chicago. Don't worry about it. We are. Mm-hmm. 
Well, as somebody who is a big Boston Red Sox fan and who has been in Boston a lot of times, it rang true to me. I've never been in a Chicago bar or restaurant, but I've been in Boston bars and restaurants. And Boston sure loves to put them up some Bruins and some Celtics and some Red Sox. So. It's, yeah, it's it's certainly plausible. It was just so flagrant you know <laughs> like yeah, how, how yeah. huge these were and they were in every shot and it was just so much where i was just like okay mm-hmm. i got it you know how do we make this place looks like chicago put up a yeah. big old bulls thing yeah you know, as, yeah as far as anyone knows well andy other thoughts on this whole little chunk here of the i mean it's super fun like when he's going table to table trying to get help uh and like what you said i, I really love that He's a little sarcastic and he's a little sassy, but he is never he never goes too far in that direction. He still like believes in the good of everyone. He talks about the magic of Christmas. I also like the justification they wrote of like he's like, we got to save Christmas. And Teddy's like, who cares? Some kids don't get toys. Big deal. And he goes, no, you don't understand. Christmas spirit is something that, you know, people need. The last time Christmas Mm -hmm. was ruined, you know, it led to the dark ages. Like Mm -hmm. that's what happens when there's no Christmas spirit. So I like that they, they tried to write actual stakes into what was going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's a super fun scene. And yeah, I like that they were like, Oh yeah, this this car is already stolen, so then we don't have to feel bad when they steal it too, and then we can hear about how great the Dodge Challenger handles. <laughs> I think I, I think I might buy one if it's good enough for Santa. It's good enough. For yeah, me. no kidding, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the Dodge Challenger might be the McDonald's and Coca Cola of what that was to Santa Claus the movie. This is to the Christmas Chronicles, but Pretty I love much. this scene. Uh, I love this scene. I think you know it's it's kind of. Um, you know, we've seen that scene in a lot of action movies where the main character walks into the bar and kind of makes demands of everyone in the bar, like kind of like there's a new sheriff in town. And, you know, um, and it's it's that, but it's as filtered through uh, Santa Claus. And I love I love the magic of how he immediately knows who everyone is. He immediately knows like what they got for Christmas certain years and whether they've been naughty or nice. And he even can shift to speaking different languages. I love the scene where that guy is ready to trade the Mickey Mantle baseball card for the car. And his wife's like, you are not trading our car for a baseball card. And then she tears it up. And he's like, and, and the, the husband's like, you know, distraught. And like Kurt Russell is Santa is just like, uh, uh, like just, just that's a shame, you know, that that, mm-hmm. that happened. And um, yeah, I just think it's a really, it's a really fun sequence. And, and like, like Andy said, like, you know, He's this very um, he's this very like sly and almost like cagey Santa Claus. But, you know, never, never to the point that, like, you know, we're not still on his side and on the side of him and, and the kids uh, in this. Yeah. And I think it's a it's a good device that they put in that they steal what is already uh, a stolen car. And it leads into a fun chase from here. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I like uh, during this scene, we get another, because uh, one of the bar patrons says, you don't look like Santa Claus, and he points out the window to a uh, Santa's favorite cola billboard, because mm-hmm. apparently, yes, right. yeah. apparently Coke didn't pay the money. But um, <laughs> uh, Yeah, and, and I wondered if, well, I wonder the if they just, if they, yes, yeah. I was gonna say, I wondered if like if they asked Coke and Coke was like, well, no, you're making fun of our version of Santa, so no. That's or awesome. if that's they just true. 
or or if they just didn't want to go there. But I like that they were, yeah, they were kind of tweaking the Coca-Cola Santa, who is the, you know, the modern vision of what we expect Santa to be. So I like that they did write that in and, and, and had some fun with that. Well, the billboard adds 80 pounds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and I like that, um, yeah, he's he's kind of sad you know but this like i said earlier he's this is the part where you see okay he's he's still like we've kind of got this sassy streetwise santa but he still just kind of has this naive belief that he can walk into this crowded chicago bar say he's santa claus and immediately get some help from somebody just by producing a mickey mantle baseball card or speaking but even like the 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 asian family i'm not sure i'm andy maybe you could tell me were they chinese was he speaking chinese i think that i think they were korean because when he spoke (laughs) i did not recognize it it did not sound like chinese to me Okay, they were some other form of Asian. The only reason I asked you is because I'm not familiar enough with the Asian languages, and I assume you have picked up a little well, bit of now, Chinese. Well, yeah, I, now I can at least recognize Chinese, and it did not sound Chinese. Okay, when I so, but they were, like, terrified of him. She's like, no, please, don't talk to us. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, then he tries to speak to the, the other family, and the guy gets all offended. He's like, I speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I like that here they 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 really show that, okay he can't like materialize money, but he can materialize Christmas presents at will. Like that is one of his powers. And so that's how he was able to to get the the baseball card. And then that happens later on with the cops and everything. So it's Mm -hmm. like he can he can make presents come out, but he can't make money or or something like that. Right. So we're just defining the limits of his powers. Yes. And so, um, you know, we have this big car chase. They're going looking for the reindeer. The the police come because the valet reported the stolen car as stolen. <laughs> um, it, they find the reindeer. Kate goes off to, to find the reindeer while Teddy and Santa distract the police and eventually uh, get caught by the police. And they... Uh, you have, like I said, the whole big car chase scene where, to Andy's point, uh, Santa is doing his best to sell the Dodge Challenger <laughs> to viewers. And um, they they take Santa off to jail. Uh, well, actually, the, the reindeer come and Teddy escapes on the flying reindeer. And only one of the cops sees the flying reindeer very conveniently so that all his... Uh, co-workers think he is crazy <laughs> until they get to the jail where santa uh starts materializing gifts out of his coat for one of the police officers he's like this is everything you ever asked for for christmas from you know the time you were three and i i stopped at age seven would you like me to keep going <laughs> <laughs> um Oh man, I would have taken that Han Solo action figure. I right. Like, well, I was you're about sti- to say that. <laughs> you're still under arrest. <laughs> when he pulls out Han Solo, this. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> yes. And uh, so, for, yes, for the sake of time, well, I'll just say, yeah. well, just for the sake of saving time, I'll say, because it, it starts to jump back and forth between uh, Kate and Teddy and Santa. And so I'm going to save time here and say uh, the whole Santa Claus in jail sequence ends with him. Um, being locked in this cell and uh steve van zant from the e street band is there yeah (laughs) um 
Santa is like, wow, Christmas spirit's getting really low. I better jump up the Christmas spirit. And he there's a whole big musical number because he produces instruments for everyone in the cell and new pretty dresses for the prostitutes in the other cell. <laughs> and, um, does a whole it's you know does a whole musical number. So uh, Michael, everything yeah, I mean, from. It- yeah. yeah I, sorry, I was gonna say the 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 whole musical sequence comes completely out of like left field, right? Mm-hmm. But um, and to Andy's point, um, it plays a little bit with what we think of his powers. Like, okay, he can't just you know all of a sudden have money, but he can have Christmas presents. Um, and now not only can he produce these Christmas presents, but he can you know change the cell into this big musical number. So it stretches a little bit with his his powers, but I just think it's a fun scene. Um, it's fun to just have like a musical break in there. It's fun to see Kurt Russell who seems to be having a blast, um, you know, uh, singing the song and everybody in the scene just seems to be having fun. So, um, I enjoy it. I know that some people would say like, what the heck, where did this come from? But I just think it's fun. I, I guess we'll start at the musical scene. I love it. I'm like, when yeah. that happened, I was like, I was like, yes, more of this. Like, this is what I'm here for. You know, like, I want them to go for it. I want them to take some bigger chances and some bigger swings and to do some more over the top stuff with uh, with this Santa. And so when they broke out into the musical number in jail, I was like, yes, like, this is great. This is a blast. I love this. So I was super into that. Um, a couple things that we, we hit along the way. Um, one of the like there's two cops i like them both um but one of the cops played winston on new girl and i can't remember the actor's name but if you've ever watched new girl he is so funny and he's the one he's the one who sees the reindeer fly and no one else sees it and so that's sort of his bit is like oh and then the reindeer flew and nobody saw it you know um he's so funny and i just feel like oh man like he's so underutilized in this movie because he barely has a couple of lines they really give most of the attention to the other cop and so i was a little disappointed in that just because he's a really funny actor um but i was still happy to see him but this whole sequence is it it is a, a perfect snapshot of my biggest issue with this movie um which is i had said like during the whole wormhole flight sequence i was like oh man the effects are really good why didn't this go theatrical and once they get to the streets of chicago all of a sudden the movie seems very small and very cheap Mm -hmm. because there is not another human being on the streets and there is not another car on these streets (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. that is true i didn't even think of that yeah and i know you could say it's quote unquote the middle of the night but they showed it was 11 p.m. when they landed. So at this point, it's probably only 11.30. Trust me, go out into Chicago at 11.30. There's at least other people. Um, <laughs> and so it was like they, they were like, we can't afford extras. We can't afford to coordinate traffic. So we get two blocks of wherever they shot this. I'm not even sure where. Uh, we get two blocks to block off at 3 a.m. And that's what we're using as the city. So it's like they just it seems like they just kept driving around the same block that was like dead empty and there's not a soul there. So it just never feels like Chicago. It never feels like a city. And I'm like, okay, this is where they saved money. They just, they couldn't afford to make it feel like a real city. And so these scenes that are on the city streets to me are just like so dead and lacking. Like, I'm like, oh, it just, it doesn't, at that point, it doesn't feel like a real movie anymore. Now I'm like, okay, now I see the seams. Huh. 
Gotcha. Yeah. Now, now that you, I, I didn't even notice it, Andy, until you said that. But um, now that you know, I think of it like here was a movie set in Chicago, and we don't even see any really any of the icons of the city, right? We just, um, to to your point, yeah. I don't remember seeing any like any broad strokes of the city, just this small little in, section. So it's a, in it's some a good of point. like the. Some of the long shot, like establishing shots, they're, they're there. You can see, you know, the right. the, the skyscrapers. I was going to say the Sears Tower, but it has a new name now, and I don't remember what it is. But um, I, to me, it's the Sears Tower. But, like, you can see mm-hmm. those, like, in, in some of the <clears throat> wide shots where they just bought, you know, stock footage. Um, right. But once they're on the streets, I'm sh- I, I, my guess is they shot it in, like, Vancouver or Canada. That's where they tend to shoot these things. Um you're right. It's, it's 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 not Chicago, and it doesn't look like it. And I'm not being one of those guys of like, well, it's obviously not Chicago. I'm like, it's obviously not a real city because there's nothing going on. Like even right. the, the scene where the kids sit outside the church, you don't see another soul. And apparently, there's a church service going on inside, so it can't be that late. <laughs> Midnight mass. So it's just like this yeah. this huge, massive, empty city where they can just run amok. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so while Santa is in prison, here's where we get into my least favorite parts of the movie. I'll I'll spoil that right away. Um, Kate and Teddy have gone off looking for the the magic toy bag. Um, they get to the church as as you said, Andy, and there's midnight mass going on inside, and they're singing "Oh Christmas Tree," which was their their dad's favorite Christmas song. And uh, Kate and Teddy have this little heart to heart, which is, you know, nice. But Teddy's like, you know, dad would be so disappointed in me. I turned out so terrible. Like, but the problem is I'm so mad at him. Like, he just left us. Like, you know, he he had a wife and two kids and he ran into a burning building and died to save some strangers. And Kate, obviously... I don't know. I can't remember. She's 10 in this movie speaking way more adult than any 10 year old I've ever met in my life uh, where she's like, no, Teddy, like he wouldn't be disappointed in you. You know why? Because I see him every day when I look at you and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they they go into the park and they find the toy bag stuck in a tree and Kate crawls inside the toy bag, which I think is a lot of fun because we find out that the, the toy bag is a pocket dimension that mm. leads back to the North Pole. And every president in the world just kind of flies through this pocket dimension and out the bag. But meanwhile, we get into this whole pointless well it's it's sort of not pointless because it's supposed to i believe illustrate to teddy that being a thug and stealing cars isn't worth it but he's in this park on christmas eve and three thugs walk up to him and are like what do you got in the bag and teddy's like i'm not gonna give you the bag and so they take him back to like their chop shop and they're like gonna throw him in the furnace or throw the bag in no they're gonna throw the bag in the furnace and they're gonna beat teddy up for no real reason. This whole scene is just very, very weird to me. <laughs> Andy, what do you think? You're you're not wrong because you're right. Like, again, we haven't seen another soul on the streets of Chicago until these random three criminals run up to rough up <laughs> Teddy. Um, 
Again, I like I, I agree with you about the bag. Like I like the idea of like, well, of course he couldn't hold billions of presents in one bag. And so we see the bag is truly magical and it's like a gateway to his workshop, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, and I like it because it gives us a glimpse of Santa's workshop or his office or his toy room, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. So I like that we get a little bit of that, which is cool. Um, but yeah, the whole scene with the 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 thugs who dragged – like they want to steal Santa's bag. What do they think is in there? Like even – it's like, what do you, RC cars? You gonna steal RC cars? Like, is this is this hugely profitable for you? Like, right, what do you think s- is in there that's gonna be so so worth stealing? Right, and then no murdering reason, a child for up, And they're just like, <laughs> yeah, what's in the bag? And then, like you said, they're gonna rough up a teenager just to get this bag that they don't even know what's in. It. Like, right and then when they get back they literally are like oh no now we got to kill him and it's like you're gonna kill this kid for a bag of toys like this doesn't make any sense so yeah i agree it's sort of manufactured and, and doesn't really ring true um and it is kind of weird uh because uh because yeah like I, I don't know what they expected um but it does introduce us to the elves and i i can't wait to hear what you guys think of the okay. elves well, first we'll see what uh, Michael has to say about our our friends, the the ne'er do wells in the park. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. It seems a little off, and and to both your point, like it this scene comes and goes out of left field more so than the musical number uh, did. And what what in addition to everything that that you said, what I really found interesting was they're like, what's in the bag? Coal. All right, that's it. Now we're gonna kill you. Like they get so upset of like they open yeah, up the, yeah. the gifts and they're like, Cole, oh now you're in trouble. Like right. <laughs> that just He's compost. Right. They, right. They yeah. Dragged him out of the park. Thinking, <laughs> yeah. It's their fault. There's nothing valuable yeah. in you're, the park. You're coming with us and bring yeah. that bag of presents. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely, you know, uh just a segment in there to I think to to separate the kids and to just set up some some stakes and and um you know when you think about it, it's just a little bit of padding too in mm-hmm. there because there was really mm-hmm. no reason why they both couldn't have gone into the bag um sure. and made the discovery and discovered the the gifts and the portal and the elves and everything so well it sets yeah, us just, up for another scene that's coming up that i'm gonna uh, yeah we'll, we'll get there <laughs> all right <laughs> so to andy's point kate goes off to the north pole she's in santa's letter room and she she finds out that Teddy wrote a letter to Santa Claus this year, and we don't find out what it is. And uh, it turns out that this is where we meet the elves, and um, they are weird mice, cat, monkey creatures. Um, I like that they speak Elvish. They they have kind of their own language, and they're like what are you doing here? And Kate explains, you know, Santa's in trouble. We need to go find him. And uh, she also sees the book of true believers and finds out that Teddy is the only person in her family that doesn't believe in Santa Claus anymore. And um, yeah, they, they mount a rescue to go get uh, Teddy and Santa Claus. And uh, they pop out of the bag and they attack all the thugs. And, uh, one of them is apparently going to chainsaw Teddy in half because he thinks that. <laughs> Teddy. 
anyway, reconnected this guy with his ex-wife, and <laughs> this is when it gets down to the wire, uh, and I'll get the whole down to the wire thing for the last segment, but let's talk about meeting the elves and the attacking the thugs and everything like that. Uh, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, a couple of years ago after the movie was on talking to someone at work and, and we had been talking about looking forward to the movie and Kurt Russell playing Santa Claus and wasn't that cool. And they said, I enjoyed it up until the elves came into it, and then um, that ruined the movie for me, and I just hated it after that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> like I, I, I don't hate the movie because of the elves. Um, you know, for, to, to your point, Matt, they're kind of this strange animal hybrid. They're not at all what we think of when we think of the traditional Santa Claus elves, um, and they're very jarring at first um when you see them for a variety of reasons mm. um i think first and foremost because they're not the traditional looking santa claus elf so i think it takes you out of the movie just for a second where you're like what the heck is this oh is this going to be their version of the elves i don't understand you know um and i think it's also jarring in that you know andy was just saying that you know um the effects at the beginning of the movie were so well done. I think you can clearly see that these are siege guy characters. I mean, they it's it's almost like um, you know there there's no there's no even trying to make them look like they they exist in the same world. You can clearly see that they're animated characters. Um, so it it does it doesn't in any way ruin the movie for me. I think um, this is their take. On the elves, I just look at it that way. Like this is how these this particular storyteller or filmmaker is seeing the elves. I wish they had done a little bit more with the effects and maybe a little bit more with the way that they look in terms of creatures and characters. And maybe if it was a theatrical mm. release and it had a bigger budget, we would have gotten that. Maybe even seen more of the city as well uh, if it had more of a of a budget. So, um, I got used to it, but you know, at first it was a little, it, it took me back, uh, a little bit. So, um, I didn't mind it. It wasn't, uh, it was, it didn't ruin the game for me. It wasn't a game changer for me. I just took it. It's, this was their, this was their take on it. But again, I wish, I wish the effects could have been just a little bit better. Yeah. Andy. Yeah, the uh, the elves I have very mixed feelings about. Um, so I they feel like they're just from a completely different movie. Mm. So it is super jarring when you see them. Like they feel like they came out of some sort of animated film. And up until now, I mean, yes, there's been magic and, and Santa and of course, but they just are so cartoony that it's it just feels like they they went a little too far on how cartoony it is. So I don't think that they jive with the world as we had seen it up until then. Um, I kind of give the effects a pass. I think that they're, I don't think they're bad. I think they're pretty good, but no, I, am, am I ever convinced that those are real living creatures inhabiting the same space as the humans? No, of course they're CG and it's obvious, but I think they look okay. Um, it's certainly an interesting take on Santa's elves, you know, yeah, like every yeah. every version of Santa has to kind of go, well, what are uh, our elves? And so this was what they came up with. They almost remind me of the elves from like Rise of the Guardians, but a little more animalistic. Um, yeah. 
And I think that's what kind of throws me off is like they have fur and tails. And so it's like at that point, are they even elves anymore? Like what what are they? Mm. Um, But I guess I appreciate that they tried to do something different. I appreciate that they did do their own take on elves, you know, that they took a big swing on the elves. So it is it is a little weird and it takes them getting used to. But I guess I yeah, like. I feel like I would have tried to find something a little less cartoony, um, but I don't know. At least they, at least they did something new with it. And I do think that you know the reason we couldn't have cars and people in the city is because they spent all their money. Because they're like, yeah, but we have to we have to animate a hundred CGLs, and so we got to save our money for that. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, these uh, to your point, Michael. These don't break or ruin the movie for me, but. I don't like these elves at all. Like they look so weird. Um, and in fact, uh, my wife had never seen this movie, but I was watching the second one the other day and my wife was in the room and, and one of the elves was on screen and she goes, what is that? And I'm like, <laughs> that's one of Santa's elves. And she goes, why does it look like that? And I said, that's, that's what they went for. And she goes, but it looks so cartoony. The rest of the movie is so so pretty and intricate, and it looks, you know, like a real space. And then they've just got that cartoon sitting there. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's what they went for. Um, and it for me, it doesn't work at all. I still can't figure out why all these elves... I mean, I get that they've got to rescue Teddy, but I don't quite understand why Santa's elves would, like, come out swinging and why one of them wants to cut Teddy in half with a chainsaw. And then when he gets (laughs) stopped, literally says the line, I never get to have any fun. Like, what? It's so bizarre. Um, I feel like I feel like they didn't trust Kurt Russell as Santa as a big enough hook for little kids and like the elves felt like them trying to pander to small children of being like, well, we need to put something in because the whole family is going to be watching this. The parents will be interested in Kurt Russell, but mm-hmm. little kids need something cute and silly and ridiculous, you know, like, guess, forgive maybe. me, like the minions. And they're like, so we got to, you know, so so make yeah. the elves super cartoony, super silly, super slapsticky. And you're right, like they don't take over the movie, so it's OK, but a lot of the humor doesn't work for me because it's, it's just kind of hacky and you know, Mm -hmm. like you've seen it a million times and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's very childish and you're just like, okay, well I guess this is here for the small kids. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it was also, you know, part of the, um, the marketing team or the executives coming in and saying, what's a way, you know, to Andy's point to really market this movie to little kids in terms of like, what can we turn into products or plush very easily? Um, obviously, it'd be great to, I don't know if there is, but it'd be pretty awesome to have like a Kurt Russell Santa Claus action figure out there. Oh, that but, would be cool. That would be very cool. But like, what about like, you know, what, to Andy's point, like what can we market? What can we produce? What products are out there for little kids? And I don't know if there has been anything out there. I don't but the think reason, there has. Huh. And the only reason Just I look. think that is like, I remember that, and I think it was in this year's uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, too. There was a balloon of the elves, mm. of two of the elves 
in the parade. So I oh, think. Oh, God. You're yeah, right. I, I yes. think that was like, you know, their way of saying, like, this could be a great way to kind of, you know, market this movie to the, the younger audience out there. Mm-hmm. If we make these elves, not just elves, but these furry little funny characters as well. Yep, that makes sense because you're right. There is a balloon of a couple of the elves. Yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is where we get to the uh, save. Really get into the save Christmas part of the story uh, because uh, uh, Santa realizes, no, like I'm out of time. Half the continent is gonna miss Christmas, and Teddy and Kate are like, no, no, they're, they're, Christmas must endure. We're, we'll help you out. And Santa goes, okay. And so he has Teddy drive the sleigh, and Kate sits in the back and throws the presents out the sleigh, and Santa goes down onto the rooftops. And I'll say it now, this might be my favorite segment of the movie coming from the guy who can and has on Christmas Eve watching the NORAD tracks Santa thing in the background. (laughs) Like I set it to one side and I peek over at it once in a while. So just to see Santa as a red streak in that big overhead shot kind of zipping from rooftop to rooftop to rooftop. And, um, you know, to Andy's point, they zip from the, the... their pattern of going across the United States makes no sense. They go from like Chicago to St. Louis to like <laughs> LA to like Hawaii and then <laughs> back again. It's just, the order of the cities makes no sense, but they do it and they're down to the wire and Santa discovers, you know, they have one last delivery to make. Um, we get our, uh, somewhere in here, we get our tribute to Batman and Robin where, uh, Santa jumps over the side of the sleigh with a snowboard and, and sky oh, surf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the kid, the kid with the snowboard, because there was the scene where um, the little girl, you know, she's in Santa's office and she sees mm-hmm. all the video messages. And that, that kid, his name is Bing. Yep. He goes, I just want a snowboard. That is Kurt Russell's grandson. Oh, That's oh, Kate, no, Kate that. Hudson's. Kate Hudson's son, so therefore Kurt and Goldie's this grandson. This really is a family movie. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, he's one of the producers, so it makes sense. Yeah. So it gets, yep, it gets down to the wire. They they have this one last kid to make, and with seconds left, Santa zips in the window, leaves a present under the tree, uh, goes to eat the cookies. The little girl comes out, she catches him, and he's like, shh, and he puts the cookie in his mouth and disappears, and he brings Kate and Teddy home, and uh, this is when. Uh, He reveals that he could have done the whole thing by himself the whole time. He didn't need to get his magic hat back. He could just turn into – because he gives Teddy his hat, and Teddy's like, don't you need it? And he's like, no, I'm Santa Claus. And the sleigh lifts up, and he he turns into coal, and Kate convinces him to give a big old ho-ho-ho. And uh, then she realizes that her video of the entire night was taken away by Santa – which also reminded me of Batman 89 when Vicki Vale realizes that uh, Batman took her film. <laughs> um, he took the film. Took yeah. the film. And, um, you know, before Santa leaves, they realize uh, Kate and Teddy realize they didn't get their mom a Christmas present. And Santa kind of goes, oh, well, I don't know what to do about that. And he rubs his nose kind of winks a little bit. And then their mom gets home while they're hugging and she's like, oh, good, you guys have made up. And they they go inside and um, 
that the whole house is decorated and there's presents and we get one of the things that annoys the heck out of me about almost every Christmas movie where Santa Claus where we as the audience clearly know Santa Claus exists parents in the film don't believe in Santa Claus yet here's all these presents that the parents clearly didn't buy. Where right. did they think yeah. they come from? You know, because you know Teddy goes to open that. Because uh, we've found out that the whole movie Teddy's had something he really wishes he could tell his dad, and that's what his letter to Santa was about. Like I wish I could see my dad because I want to tell him something. And he opens the box and there's an old ornament inside with a note that his mom did not write. So I don't know where she thinks it came from. Yeah, she and, does not react at all. She's just like, oh, that's nice. Great. Yeah. Santa wrote you a note. Okay. And Teddy's yeah. like, oh, great. It's an old ornament. This isn't what I wanted at all. But then he goes to hang it on the tree and his dad's face appears in the ornament. And Teddy gets to go, you know, dad, I'm real proud of you. And his dad gets to go, I'm real proud of you, too. And that's the end of the movie. And oh, no, it's not the end of the movie. It's the end of that part of the movie, because then we go up to the North Pole and Santa is sitting in his living room and Mrs. Claus, Goldie Hawn, comes in and she's like, I hear you got into some trouble tonight. And he's like, ah, well, you know, I, I got to speak a lot of English, which was nice. And um, she's like, OK, you want to watch a Christmas movie? We can watch it. It's a wonderful life. Or I had something different in mind and he pulls out Kate's tape and they're going to go watch Kate's adventure. And that's the end of the movie. So, uh, Andy thoughts on how the film wraps up. Oh gosh. So much in there. Um, uh, like you said, I, I do think that the, uh, you know, the climax of them, you know, having one hour left to, to deliver the rest of the presents. I think that's really fun. Cause again, as you said, you really get to see, you know, Santa hopping in and out and jumping around and everything. Um, so I thought that was really fun. I enjoyed that. Um, you know, the elves are still there for that, uh, hanging out. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that they invented like an elfish language though. That yeah. was kind of neat. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And it was like, they really leaned into like, the Norwegian aspect of Santa, because it sounds very Norwegian, the, the language that they've created. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool. And uh, yeah, I, I will agree with you about, uh, about the fact that like the mom has no reaction to the fact that like there are, there are gifts from Santa and she just, she's just like, <laughs> okay, great, cool. It happens um, in every movie where Santa exists and we know he exists, yeah. but the parents don't believe in Santa anymore. And somehow there's just yeah. presents that they don't know where they came from. Uh, like I said, the little twist of Santa basically being like, oh, I didn't need this at all. I don't think that holds up because like, I mean, if it was just the hat, I'd go, okay, like, sure. Um, he pretended not to need the hat because it, it forced them to come along. But like, it depends on how far back you want to say he'd orchestrated this thing. But if we think he orchestrated the whole night, that sure, I don't know. That just doesn't, for me, it doesn't quite hold up with the rest of the movie. So it's one of those where I'm like, ah, best not to think about it. Whatever. He gave them what they needed to come together as a family. It was just move on. Um, I will say though, like as, as sort of predictable as the, the heartfelt family subplot is, um, the moment when Teddy does put up the ornament and he sees his father in the reflection and he says, mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. And his father says, I'm proud of you. It still works. I got to give him it that. Does. Like that's yeah. a great moment. It works. So, Michael. so yeah, I really like that as sort of a, a nice little uh, wrap up for, for Teddy's story and, and mm-hmm. sort of what he 
had been struggling with with his father and everything. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool, too. So, yeah, you know, like, um, overall, I liked it. But then getting back to the North Pole, I love the North Pole. I love seeing different versions of the North Pole. So seeing Santa back there after a long Christmas night uh, and then getting that Goldie Hawn reveal, I was like, oh, perfect. I love it. It's so great. So just seeing the two of them together made me so happy. And at this point, like, this Santa is just so warm and lovable. And when Mm -hmm. he gives that final little look to the camera and he tweaks his nose, you're just like, Oh man, I love him. He's so great. So it's a really strong ending, especially that last shot of Santa or that last scene with Santa and Mrs. Claus. Yep. I agree. Michael. Yeah. I mean, you know, everything you, you've both said, the scene where they're, uh, you know, they're again, you know, racing the clock to deliver the gifts is just like, the magic of this movie and the magic of Christmas. Cause I love, like you said, Matt, that shot overhead of him as the red streak going from chimney to chimney. I just think that's really cool. Um, I love the scene, you know, at the end where uh, the last house and there's the countdown of like, he's down to the last second and getting into the house and eating the cookie. Um, that's, that's really fun. I, I do agree. You know, the, the, the mom, she's like, well, there's presents like, oh, look at this. Let's just go ahead and open these presents that are so here. We're weird. not even going to ask who they're from. Yeah. So um, and that uh, that does happen in so many movies. I'm just kind of running through my mind of all the movies that happens. And um, but, yeah, it is a very sweet scene, uh, even with that at the end, as, as Andy said, like even them walking into the whole house decorated and seeing his dad's reflection in the ornament. That's just a really nice moment. Really nice moment just before that, too, with. Santa Claus and the two kids outside the house when he says goodbye to them. I, I, I really mm. like that. And um, yeah, that end scene at the, the North Pole, I, I think I even remember, you know, watching this a couple of years ago with my uh, my wife, Michelle. And I think we had even been saying during the movie to Andy's point, like, oh, it'd be so great if, if Goldie Hawn would play Mrs. Claus. And then when Mrs. Claus walks in and you don't see her at first, she has the hood on and you hear her talking. We were mm-hmm. both like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And then when she takes the hood off and it's Goldie Hawn, you like, you know, to Andy's point, you're like perfect. And, yeah. you know, um, he's sitting there at the, you know, going through his book and everything. And he, you know, he's got that very cool, like, uh, red, like vest on with the, the long puffy sleeves. And he just looks really cool there at the end. And, mm-hmm. and it just looks very natural. And, uh, where he is and it just looks like a very warm uh version of uh santa's workshop so to speak in the north pole so yeah very very perfect ending to this movie to be sure yeah uh i'll echo all of that i i do really like um we didn't get like a lot of looks at the north pole in this film uh, yeah. but i i love the the design of like his hall of letters i love the design of their little living room right there at the end it's just all looks like it might be my favorite version of the North Pole, and I I know on Real Fans for Real movies we're going to talk about the second one as well, so we'll get into that. And um, yeah, I I I just I do like the way this movie wraps up. It it has some bumps in the middle, I think, but it comes to a satisfying conclusion, in my opinion. So uh, yeah, uh, well. Uh, I guess I'm going to go around starting with Michael and we'll we'll all kind of give this a grade and then we'll wrap up this episode. Michael, what do you grade the Christmas Chronicles here? Um, you know, I 
think I would give the Christmas Chronicles a B plus. Um, I think there's there like we talked, there's a lot of, you know, a lot in this movie that you kind of scratch your head and wonder where did that come from? Or that's a little strange or that looks a little off. But I think this is, you know, an example of a movie that's really carried by its, you know, it's the, the star power of, of, you know, the, the actor playing the main character, and that's Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. And it, it brings its own unique spin to Santa, um, and it brings its own unique spin to uh, a Christmas movie, and it still captures a lot of what we want in a movie about Santa Claus and a lot of what we want in a movie about Christmas. So that's why, again, I would give Christmas Chronicles a B plus. Cool. Andy? Nice. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think what you have here is, I think, a pretty average Christmas movie that is carried by one really charismatic and entertaining performance in Kurt Russell. Mm -hmm. Like, he carries this entire movie, and he makes it work. Um, The story with the family is fine. You know, it's not amazing. Mm -hmm. It's not bad. It's it's fine. It serves the purpose. Um, I think that sort of the the adventure they go on is also fine. Um, There's some nice, I think, highlights in there. Again, I, I for me, I think it is the musical number in the jail because I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know, have fun with this. Like, let's go crazy. Um, and I think the script is also fine. Like I said, I wish they had written something just a little more clever for Santa throughout mm. the film. Um, everything is it's it's a little vanilla, but man, he goes all in on it and he's just making the most out of it he's elevating the material he's elevating the movie and he makes the movie work he is so much fun to watch that it's really easy to forgive almost everything else not that everything else is bad it's just everything else is like you know pretty good and he's great and so he really you know like santa's sack he carries the entire movie over his shoulder and when you're done you still feel good because you had so much fun spending time with him and getting to know his santa and i love his santa like i said it's it's still warm. It's still likable. He's still lovable, but it's just a little bit of an edge, you know, to give him his own unique personality. He's just, he's great. So I actually land right where Michael does. I'd say it's a B plus. Yeah. Uh, well, then I'm also going to give it its third B plus. I, I think it's really good. There are some head scratching moments like the everything with the elves and the weird car stealing gang that don't make sense to me. But uh, Kurt Russell, as you all said, kind of brings the whole movie up. And I actually don't think uh, the, the the people being uh teddy and kate are bad either i kind of like them um they're obviously young they have a long a lot of developing as actors to do and they weren't necessarily given the greatest material in the world like i said there was a point where 10 year old kate pierce was sounding like no 10 year olds ever talked ever i don't think but beyond that <laughs> um it's it's very entertaining i i think all the design work uh for santa's world his sleigh his costume his his home his devices is all very good so yeah solid b plus three b pluses for the original christmas chronicles um so before we get out of here uh i mentioned it before but i am now going to go ahead and go over to the real fans for real movies podcast with Andy and Michael and talk about the Christmas Chronicles 2, which is the brand new one this year. So if you want to hear that, you're going to have to download Real Fans for Real Movies. But I'm also going to let Michael and Andy plug their other projects that they do. So, Andy, go ahead and plug 
the uh, hundred amazing things you do. <laughs> Ah, too many things. Uh, so yeah, I mean, first, uh, thank you for that. And yeah, this is sort of a part one of a double feature, Christmas Chronicles double feature. So if you enjoyed this conversation, we're gonna have, we're gonna continue the conversation about Christmas Chronicles two over at Real Fans for Real Movies. That is gonna be episode number one ninety nine. So go check that out. It's Real Fans for Real Movies or RF for RM. Um, but that is just one of many shows that I am a part of. I also do Holy Batcast, uh, all about Batman and the DC universe. And then me and Michael co-host Disorder, every Disney film where we're looking at every Disney animated feature in order. And most recently on there, we just talked about Ralph Breaks the Internet. And then I also have a Futurama show, Why Not Futurama, that I do with my pal Scott. And you can check those out all at rf4rm.com. And then you can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram. It's just my name, Andy DiGenova, A-N-D-Y-D-I-G-E-N-O-V-A. So, yeah, we'll see you over at Real Fans, but Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, and actually, uh, Why Not Futurama, I lifted the format almost entirely wholesale when I decided to... Uh, start my podcast, The FBI's Most Unwanted, which is a look back at the X-Files. So thank you for creating that show and giving me a, a an idea of how a look back at a show would go episode by Yay, episode. My pleasure. That's yeah. great to hear. <laughs> Michael, plug all your good stuff out there in the world. Yeah. Um, well, first off, Matt, um, as Andy said, thank you for having us both on. Um, this was oh, no uh, a lot of fun to, to talk about Christmas Chronicles. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, the crossover episode when we talk about the sequel uh, next on Real Fans for Real Movies. Um, I'm out there on social media, on Twitter at MLionsFL. Um, as Andy said, uh, you can also hear me with him and uh, Hunter on Disorder, every Disney film. Um, and I have a blog, Screensaver, a retro review of TV shows and movies of yesteryear, which is at uh, screensaverblog.blogspot.com. And I'm also a contributing writer for animationscoop.com. I have a column that uh, appears there each Friday, and that's a website um, that looks at animation um, past, present, and future. Um, And uh, again, this was uh, a lot of fun, so uh, wishing everyone out there a Merry Christmas and a safe holiday season as well. Yes, and so for Andy and Michael and myself, that was Two Broke Geeks. We'll catch you next time. Merry Christmas, everybody. The Two Broke Geeks podcast is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment in conjunction with Atomic Geekdom. Find us online at twobrokegeeks.com. We're available on iTunes, Google Play Music, and the Satchel Player app for iPhone and for Android. Please subscribe to us on one of these services and leave us a review. It really helps us out. You can also help us out by following us on Facebook, facebook.com slash twobrokegeekspodcast, following our Twitter at 2BGpod, and following us on Instagram where we are also 2BGpod. If you would like to make a donation to the podcast you can do so at patreon.com slash 2bg pod that also really helps us out find atomic geekdom online at atomicgeekdom.com and on twitter at atomic geekdom thanks it's ebenezer scrooge looking older and more wicked than ever i knew he wouldn't disappoint us Humbug. Merry Christmas! <laughs> <laughs>